Well, good morning, Frontline family. How are you this morning? Joy to the world, right? <laughs> are you excited to be in church this morning? Amen. We just wanted to whet your appetite there. We're going to worship a bit later on. Today we're going to bring the word first. But firstly, I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Can we all say Merry Christmas together? One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Welcome to everyone in the house and welcome to everyone watching online. Church, just remain standing for a moment. We're going to pray in a few moments from now. But church, before we do that, on this significant day, it is our prayer that as you celebrate this occasion with friends and family at church and after church, that you would recognize and honor the one for whom this very day has been established. And his name is Jesus. So as a congregation, as a body, we lift up the name of Jesus in this place. And we declare that this day is dedicated to him. Amen? And church, as we open or receive gifts today, let us remember that it symbolizes the eternal gift of salvation that was given to each and every one of us. If you're grateful for that, give him a big shout of praise. Would you do that? Yes, amen. Let's pray together this morning, church. Please bow your heads with me. Father God, we come to you on this significant day in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray that today would be a day that would be etched in our minds forever as we come together as a body and bring honor and glory to the Son of God that was born into this world 2,020 years ago to establish a very clear pathway that leads to truth salvation and relationship, all of which would have been impossible without the Son. So in everything that we do today, we honor you, Lord Jesus, for being willing to be born into this world, to live a sinless life, to die on a cross and be raised again so that wretched sinners like us could have an eternal relationship with you. We thank you that you died for us individually. And because of this truth, we make a personal commitment to follow you with all our hearts, all our minds, and all our strength. We honor you in this place today. And we pray that you would come and have your way among us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Thank you. Well, church, it's so good to see all of you here this morning. For everyone that is watching online, we trust that you will experience what we go through today just as much as everyone in the house this morning. Church, we're going to conclude on our series, Reasons for the Season. But this morning, if you have your Bibles, please go with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter number 2, because I would like for us to start by reading about the Christmas story from the Word of God. Just to set a platform for today and the real reason why we celebrate Christmas. Let's read it together. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed 
for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped up in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Isn't that beautiful, church? This is why we celebrate Christmas. God came into this world. There's absolutely no denying that. And what we've been looking at throughout the series is the facts and the reasons why Jesus Christ is the Lord, is the King, is the Messiah, the very gift of God. And the fact that it is essential that we recognize that He was born. He was born into this world. And if you remember a couple of things from part one and part two of the series, is that the Bible tells us about the sovereignty of God. That in Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 it says, but when the fullness of time had come, at just the right moment, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons, that salvation would come from the Lord Jesus. And we identified a few key words in our Christmas verse for this year, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And this key, this key verse starts off by making a statement that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. We looked at four key words from the sentence and the first word without controversy, which is the Greek word homologimenos, that the facts behind Jesus, the statement about His coming, the Old Testament prophecies that regarding the authenticity of who Jesus was, was something that could not be contested. You could argue against it all you want. You can even deny it at your own peril, but you would be wrong. Because the Bible is very clear about who Jesus Christ is. Amen? We saw also that the word great, the Greek word megas, 
meant that this argument for Jesus being the Christ is without number. The arguments in favor of Jesus cannot be counted. They cannot be numbered. The Bible is without any doubt whatsoever about who Jesus Christ is. And then we looked at that awesome word, mysterion, mystery. And remember that it meant that Jesus has always been there throughout time and eternity. The Bible says that Jesus had no day of creation. He's eternally God. But at his incarnation, the mysterion was made public. The mystery of who the Messiah would be and the fulfillment of all the prophecies would be made clear. We talked about how the shroud was lifted from the mountain, revealing the mountain that had always been there. And so church, God in his sovereign nature, God in his great wisdom, revealed the person of Jesus at just the right time. And then we saw, of course, in that foundational statement that godliness had been revealed. That Greek word, Eusebia. And you know, that's a comforting word for us because that word means goodness. The absolute goodness of God is wrapped up in the person of Jesus. And look, church, this is a joyful word for us because none of us are good enough to get into heaven on our own. Amen? And that's what the Christmas story is all about. That the actual goodness about this gift that we receive from God, this exchange, is all the goodness is wrapped up in Jesus. Because He's the one that came to the earth to fulfill everything. And to follow on from that foundational statement, we've been studying six things concerning Christ which sum up the whole economy of Christ upon the earth. And they are, God was manifest in the flesh, God was justified in the spirit, He was seen of angels, He was preached unto the Gentiles, He was believed on in the world, and finally He was received up into glory. Of which we looked at the first four in part one and two of our series, and today we'll look at the final two things concerning Christ. Just to wrap it up. So the fifth thing, church, concerning Christ, which makes up the mystery of godliness, is that He was believed on in the world. Believed on. What does that mean? Well, church, is the Greek word pisteo, and it means to trust. It means to have faith. And listen to this. It means believing to the point of complete trust. And you see, church, there's a lot of people who believe in Jesus, but the Bible says that as life goes on for many of them, when difficulty hits them like sickness and, and hardship and poverty, cancer, a broken home or natural disasters that are taking place all over our world, there's a point where their belief is either turned to faith and trust or to doubt and to mistrust or to, and to fear. This word pisteo means that they're believing in Him took them to faith. They believed to the point of trusting. Can you see the difference? You see, church, it's one thing to say, yes, I believe Jesus because he was an actual historical figure. He lived under the Roman Empire in Israel. Yes, all the evidence is there to prove that he was on this earth. I get that. But do you believe that he's Lord? Do you believe that he's a Savior? Do you believe that, that he's Christ? You see, this is where the contrast comes. There's a difference. Do you believe to the point where you lean upon Him for salvation and that you cry out to Him? Understanding that even if it's with the littlest of faith, it goes from believing to trusting. 
And look, church, I understand that it takes a lot to come to that place of faith in Him because it comes up against so many things in our lives, so many things that we've been taught in life, so many things that we are accustomed to, right? Because as humans, we seek to do it ourselves. We want to trust ourselves. We seek to believe in ourselves. We seek to, to build up enough energy and gather enough information to subdue this problem on our own. Now, church, you may believe this, this next statement is a Bible verse because you've either heard it from your mother or your father or someone you knew that was gently trying to correct you. But when someone says, God helps those who help themselves, that's not in the Bible. Did you know that? It's not a Bible verse. Because, in fact, what is more biblically, biblically correct is that God helps those who cannot help themselves. Come on. He comes to the rescue of those who cannot redeem themselves. You can't purify yourself. You can't clean yourself. You can't save yourself. And let me tell you, church, if you don't trust in Jesus today, with the new year looming, with 2021 looming, you know what's going to happen next week? If you don't trust in Jesus today, you're going to take another New Year's resolution next week to try and improve yourself. You're going to take the best self-improvement course you can find online and it's not going to work because you can't clean yourself up. And you see, church, the battle that we face as people is that Jesus came into this world and he flies right up against our pride as humans. Right? We think we can do it ourselves. But church, let me ask you, if we can do it ourselves, why did Jesus come? Why did he come? He came to rescue this world. There's absolutely no denying that. And yes, church, he may have been born as a baby. But that baby was destined for the most epic battle that this universe would ever host. And he would win the battle. He would win the battle by submitting to the power of his father, by, of his father, by going to the cross. He would win it by giving himself willfully as an offering for sin on the cross. That's why Jesus was born. That's why we celebrate. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And you see, church, this morning, the enemy's plan is to take you ransom. He wants to kidnap you. He wants to take you hostage because he wants to steal your destiny. He wants to, to kill you and destroy you. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. Amen. Can you see the stark contrast between the two kingdoms? One kingdom says, I want to steal from you. I want to kill you and destroy you. And the kingdom of light says, I want to give you more life and life abundantly. Jesus came to expose the kingdom of darkness. He also came to expose the excuses. What do I mean by that? The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2 verses 34 to 35 when they were in the temple, it says, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined, listen to this, for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That is a fascinating scripture. This old wise man announces while holding baby Jesus on the eighth day of his life, 
And he says to Mary, a lot of people are going to be blessed by this child. But a lot of people are also going to be destroyed because of this child. And a lot of people are going to speak negative against this child. What a prophecy. And how true that ended up being in Jesus' life. Jesus came to reveal the hearts of men. He came to expose the excuses. Romans chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 says regarding excuses. It says, because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. Why? So that they are without excuse. And church, let me tell you this morning, that's referring to everyone on the planet that is at an age of accountability. Did you know that everyone sitting in this room today, everyone that's listening online, is, has either reached an age of accountability or will at some point in your life? And if I look across this room, probably 95 to 90, close to 100% of people are at that age. Maybe a couple of younger people, not quite yet. And we don't even know exactly what that age is. Because the Bible is not specific on the age. But at some point, when your logic and reason comes together, whether you're 10, 11, 13, or 16, something happens in your life and God sees you on your own. He sees you completely by yourself. That moment that God knows that you have enough to have your own faith and make your own decision, that's when you become accountable. And you see, a lot of people hide behind the faith of mom and dad, but you can only do that for so long. There will come a time when you have to choose for yourself. And I guess that's why a lot of people will want to be baptized later on in their lives because they want to now make a personal commitment. Church, I did some research on this age of accountability and very interestingly, and this is, I'm speaking generally now, this is not for everyone, but this age of accountability often occurs at the time when children go through the so-called teenage rebellion phase. And you know how they know that they're in that phase? Well, one day they're fine, and the next day they have all the answers to the world's problems, including your own. You can laugh about that. <laughs> and the parents are thinking, you know, what's wrong with you? Have you taken crazy pills? You were fine last week, now what? And church, what's happening here to that teen is that he or she has been under the cover or the shelter of mom and dad's faith, and then they've come to that moment where God holds them accountable. They're able to make their own decision. And that rebellion is usually a search for authority. That's what it is. And if it's not answered by slowly guiding them to the authority of God over a period of time, over a number of years, their lives could end up in destruction. But if you go from the authority of the parent to the authority of God, they will prosper in life and they will honor their parents. When we get to an age of accountability, we are without excuse. Are you listening to me this morning, young people, teenagers? If this is describing you, don't take it as an opportunity to dishonor your parents. Rather take it as an opportunity to search out the fear and authority of God and you will prosper in life and you will honor your parents. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. 
been understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now look, maybe someone sitting in the house this morning and someone listening on, online, and maybe you, you're not a believer this morning. Maybe you don't trust in Jesus. And a whole year has gone by and you're sitting here again or listening again to another Christmas message. You've come to another Christmas, but you're not a follower of Jesus. You haven't bowed your heart to Him and you don't want to recognize that He's Lord and Savior. This verse that we just read in Romans chapter 1 says that God has revealed Himself enough to you for you to know that you should bow your knee. And you see, that's the difference. That's the difference between the believer and the non-believer. The believer bows the knee. The unbeliever still says, listen, I can do this on my own. I don't need God. And you know what God says to that type of attitude? Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 23, He says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. That's a powerful verse right there. Church, Jesus Christ came to cause us to make a decision. A choice on which kingdom we want to serve. And there's no gray area. There's no middle ground. You have to make a decision regarding Him. You're either with me or you're against me. You're either part of the kingdom of light or you're a part of the kingdom of darkness. You cannot dabble in both. The sixth and final thing concerning Christ, church, which makes up the mystery of godliness, is that He was received up into glory. He was received up in, back up into glory, and this is the culmination of our Christmas story. God was manifest in the flesh. God was justified in the Spirit. God was seen of angels. God was preached unto the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world, and finally, He was received up into glory. This is an awesome statement, church. Because this makes an assumption for the reader that God was on the earth at some point in time in order for Him to go back up. Hear what I'm saying? For 33 years, Jesus, God incarnate, lived on this earth. And then He died on the cross, exactly as the prophet said. He would be dead for three days and then rise from the grave. And the Bible tells us that Christ would then later ascend back up into glory. In fact, Jesus said he was going back to the Father. Received up into glory, church, these are wonderful words for us. These are huge words. Because you know what it means for us? Jesus ascended back into heaven so that he could make a way for you and for me. Did you know that? You know, church, on a side note, some religions will have a cross hanging in their church. And on that cross, Jesus is still hanging on that cross. But did you know this? That the Christian cross does not have Jesus on it? That's why we have an empty cross in our church. There's a big difference here. Because Jesus is not in the cross. He's not in the grave. He's not in the tomb. He rose from the dead and He ascended back to the Father. You can give a big amen for that. This is the Lamb that was born into Bethlehem. He ascended back. He went back to the Father. He was received up into glory, which means, church, that he was accepted. That what he did on the earth, what he did at the cross, the fact that he rose from the dead, the final, ultimate reception was by God himself who received his son back up into glory. 
And what that means for us, church, is that He made a way for us. He was the one that went there first. He was the forerunner for us. And even Jesus says in John chapter 4, and even 14 verse 6, truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. Jesus also said in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 2, He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. But look at what he says in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's awesome. Jesus was received up into glory, and church, you can take comfort today. You can take comfort today that he's coming back. He's coming back. He says that I've gone ahead, that when that day arrives and you leave this earth, I have a place ready and waiting just for you. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that encouraging? Can we just thank the Lord for that privilege? And church, I'm going to close with this. As we conclude our series on reasons for the season, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles. God was believed on in the world, and finally God was received up into glory. And church, do you know why he did all of these things for us? You know why he accomplished all of these things upon the earth? So that you and I could receive the gift. The gift of salvation. And live with him for eternity. I don't know about you, church, but I'm going to treasure this gift. I'm going to nurture this gift. I'm going to allow this gift to change me and, and transform me. I'm going to keep this gift in the center of my life, my whole life, until the gift giver comes to fetch me. And you know, church, as I close now, Jesus came to expose the kingdom of darkness. He came to expose the excuses. And he came to cause us to make a decision. He says, choose life. I put before you death and life, choose life. And that's the invitation that I leave with you this morning. Choose life. Church, would you stand with me as we, as we pray? I'm going to make an invitation shortly to those perhaps in the house that have not given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you feel the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart right now, in a few moments, I'm going to pray with you. And I'd like you to raise your hand. But let's pray together as a congregation first. Father, we praise you. We thank you today that you are God, Lord, and Savior. Your word that without controversy great is the mystery of godliness, we see the absolute fulfillment of all these things in Jesus. And so, Lord, today we pray that this Christmas message will become personal to us, realizing that you have given us a personal gift of salvation, a gift of our very own. We declare today that we will not be casual about this gift and, and what it represents. 
but instead we commit to live lives that honor everything that you have accomplished for us. And as the new year comes to a close, or this year comes to a close, Lord, we, we thank you for your hand throughout this year. We thank you for your protection, your provision, and for the health that you've given us despite the pandemic that's been going, going around. And Lord, we ask that you would give us a fresh hope and a vision for 2021 so that we would walk in the fullness of what you have created us to be. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, And church, with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, if you say today, I believe for the first time that Jesus is the gift of the world, God's gift to mankind, and you want to make a personal commitment to Him today, would you just raise your hand and just acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior? Would you just raise your hand and acknowledge that you don't want to spend another Christmas without Him? Thank you, I see those hands. Perhaps you're watching online and you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. You feel something is, is challenging you to make a decision this morning. I beg you this morning, choose life. Make a commitment to give your heart to Jesus. And for those that have raised their hands and for those that have acknowledged online, let's pray this prayer together. Please repeat after me. Dear Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins and the life that I've lived. I need your forgiveness. I believe that your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, shed His precious blood on the cross of Calvary and died for my sin. And I'm now willing to turn for my sin. You said in the Bible that if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, we shall be saved. So right now, I confess Jesus as my Lord. And with my whole heart, I believe that God raised Him from the dead. This very moment, I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And according to His Word, right now, I am saved. And from today, I declare that my life belongs to you. I am now your son or your daughter. And I am privileged to call you Father. I open my heart to receive your love and all that you have for me. I receive the Holy Spirit of God to lead me, to guide me, and to teach me all the days of my life. And let's just give the Lord a big shout of praise in this place, church. So church, while we remain in that attitude of prayer, prepare your hearts this morning as we close out the service in a prayer of praise and worship. God bless you. Merry Christmas.